Uh, today's scripture reading is out of the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. The Good Shepherd. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens in for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't know his own sheep, leaves them and runs away, and he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon, and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. If you have a Bible with you, get to uh, John chapter 10. Today we begin a short four-part series called Formed. This month we celebrate our 19th year of ministry and mission. That's what we're going to celebrate next Sunday. And as we turn the corner into our 20th year of ministry and mission, I want us to consider this truth that we are formed by who we follow. We are formed by who we follow. Who are you following with your life? Yourself? The Lord Jesus? Someone else? I, had a fellow, I have a fellow dad who says to his kids, your friends determine your future. It's a good little parent proverb. There's some truth to it for sure. If I were to tweak it for the series, I would say, who you follow will determine your future. You and I are being led and are being formed and shaped. It is not if we are being formed and shaped. It is rather into whose image and likeness are we being formed. And we're in a church building and we get the right church answer. The pastor of all people asks the question, who are you following with your life? Oh, 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 I, I know, Jesus. Jesus is the answer. You're right, it is. Amen, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is who we are seeking to follow. And so in these next Four Sundays, I want us to look at John 10, 15, and 17, and let the teachings of Jesus and his words continue to form us. 
These chapters remind us who, who He is and who we are in Him. Who He is and who we are in Him. And the more we grow in our understanding of who He is, the more we will believe and live in light of who He is. To follow is the essence of what it means to trust in Christ. To follow Him is what leads to salvation, life, and joy. And to follow Him together in unity is one way the church lives and flourishes in ministry and mission. Think about as Jesus began His earthly ministry. He started to call His disciples. Mark 1, 16-18 records this. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So right from the beginning, we see Simon and Andrew begin to follow the Lord together. To follow is where it began. And anyone here who is a Christ follower, we remember the day or the season in which we can point to and say, that's where we began to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. When we, atten- when, when we intentionally turned away from following ourselves and began to follow Jesus. If you haven't done that, I pray that today is that day that you turn and trust in the Good Shepherd. To help us better understand what it looks like for the people of God to follow Him together, the Lord gave us a picture of shepherd and sheep. Throughout Scripture, we see around 450 references to sheep and shepherding. And in those, three pic- or in those pictures, we see three roles. There are the sheep, which is the Christ followers. So you're not just a member of the body or a member of God's family. You're also a member of His flock as sheep. The next role we see in Scripture is that of a shepherd. Moses, Jeremiah, David were shepherds of sheep, but also of God's people. At times, the Israelite leaders were referred to as shepherds, albeit terrible ones. In the New Testament, elders and pastors are referred to as shepherds of God's people. And then finally, the other role that we see in Scripture in relation to this metaphor is that Jesus is chief shepherd. 1 Peter 5, He is good shepherd, John 10. Listen to a few verses around this metaphor of shepherding and sheep. Psalm 100, verse 3, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are His, His people, the sheep of His pasture. Psalm 23, the first three verses, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. In the Old Testament, the Lord promises that one day the Messiah will come as the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34, 23 says, I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. And then that takes us here to John 10. Jesus is describing himself as the good shepherd and the Lord has called us, the local church, the local flock to follow him together. We are his sheep. And in this metaphor, us being called sheep is humbling, right? We talked about this earlier this year, showing a video of the sheep getting stuck in the ditch, being pulled out by the hind legs, by the shepherd, and in a matter of seconds jumps into the same ditch, gets stuck again. Being referred to as a sheep is not a flattering term. Sheep are not known for their intellect. I've seen dolphins be heroes in shows. I've seen dogs be heroes in shows. 
No one has ever lifted up or built a TV show, a series, a movie around the heroic nature of sheep. Instead, sheep need to be led to food. They need to be led to pasture. Sheep are prone to wander and stray. Sheep are not animals who are naturally going to find their way home. They need a guide. They need a shepherd. Sheep have no significant claws or teeth. They're pretty defenseless. No one has been terrified of a sheep before. What are they going to do to you? Snuggle you to death? Right? Ooh. No one's been concerned about a sheep. That's us. That's us in need of shepherding, in need of leadership. Sheep are in need of leadership, protection, and rescue. And loved ones, the good shepherd, Jesus provides just that for us as we follow him. In the good shepherd, he leads us into security. He is our security. He protects us. He is our shelter and he rescues us and he is our salvation. We'll look at this in three sections around those three big ideas. The first being verses one through six. Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Sheep are in need of a good shepherd to lead them, and Jesus is that good shepherd. He is our security. Jesus is giving a parable here, meaning an earthly story to illustrate an eternal truth. And so in this story, there is a shepherd, there is sheep, a sheep pen, and a thief and a robber. Let's first talk about a sheep pen and what that would have looked like in that day. It would have been a circular or square enclosure, probably with a stone fence or wall around my height. The sheep pen would have only had one break in the wall. That would have been the entrance into the pen. And once the sheep were safely inside at night, the shepherd would then lie down across that opening, that break in the wall, and serve as both the protector for the sheep and the, and the gate or the door to the sheep pen. And unless an intruder was willing to confront the shepherd and go through the shepherd, the only way into that sheep pen was to climb the wall. Notice that in this parable, as Jesus is describing the shepherd, he's describing himself. And so we learn here that as our good shepherd, he knows his sheep. He knows us by name. I was talking to a couple teachers this past week, as well as a principal, and both of them and all of them were sharing that in the first days of, of the school year, one of the main goals is to get to know the kids by name. Why? Because when you call someone by name, it says, I know you. I recognize you. It speaks to a relationship a whole lot more than, hey, you, right? Or hey, there. One time in high school, I had a friend enter one of my family gatherings. He walked into the gathering, and he starts work, working the room, starts walking around the room. Hi, Ed. Hi, Julie. Those are my parents. Hi, Heather. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jamie. That's my sister. And then he got to my sister's husband. Well, he'd already committed. 
It's like the group prayer. Like if you name like three people by name, you better get around the room. And he goes, hey, buddy. His name's Brian. <laughs> and then I was just like, and this is decades later, and I still remember this, and he still made fun of this. By, because he committed, he's got to go around the room. Because he knew five, he didn't know six. He didn't know the name. In some cases, in that day, several herds may sleep in the same enclosure for an evening. But in the morning, the shepherd would call for his sheep, and they would respond by following Each member of a flock would be able to distinguish their shepherd from the others because they know the shepherd's voice and the shepherd knows them. Listen again to Jesus' words. The sheep hear his voice, starting in verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. I want you to watch this modern-day two-minute video illustrating just that point that Jesus is making. And notice the, the sheep don't even raise their voice or raise their heads to the voice of a stranger and then notice how they respond to the voice of their shepherd. Their, their heads to hear his voice and they begin to speak to him as well. And then they begin to follow. And then, oh, no, okay. <laughs> well, anyways, he's going to step out into the pasture and he's going to put out food and they're going to follow him because he is leading them. He's not driving them, he's leading them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know he cares for, for them, that he will feed them, that he will bring good to their life. And the strangers are calling out but they're just in it for themselves, seeing if they can get the sheep to follow or get the sheep to respond. The sheep are so in tune to the voice of the shepherd, they ignore the stranger. Brothers and sisters in Christ, strangers were plenty then, they're strangers plenty now. And false teachers or false shepherds have one goal, and that is to lead the sheep astray from the good shepherd. But loved ones, we don't pay attention to the shouting, do we? We don't even lift our heads to it because we're people anchored to the Word, growing in our knowledge of who He is so that we might learn more about who He is, the truth of His voice, and then be quick to lift our heads and respond. Do you see the two phrases in verses 3 and 4? He leads them out. He goes ahead of them. The good shepherd leads us. He doesn't drive us. Psalm 23 mentions the the verb lead twice. If you look at that psalm, you will notice that the shepherd is the one doing the work, leading, preparing, protecting. Our role is simply to follow. Some of you see the Lord as a task master, cracking a whip to get you in line, punishing you when you blow it, driving you like an Egyptian pharaoh building a pyramid if that's who the lord is he has ceased to be good he is cruel he is evil if that's the case but loved ones he leads us amen he gets ahead of us he goes ahead of us in the gospel we see that he went first preparing a way for us to know him not through our efforts but his 
Not through our works, but through faith alone in him and by grace alone. The sheep can trust in the shepherd's leadership because the shepherd is altogether good. No evil exists in him. He will never forsake. He will never lead us to a pasture of eternal death. The sheep are secure in him. It's never a question of if the good shepherd is leading. The only question we must wrestle with is, are we following? Are we following? We never have to pray, oh Lord, lead us. No, oh Lord, enable me to follow you. He's leading us. Give us a a tender spirit, open ears, open eyes, open hearts that say, I want to follow you. Verses 7 through 13. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Sheep are in need of a good shepherd to protect them. Jesus is that good shepherd, and he is our shelter. Protection from what? Enemies. Thieves, robbers, and now Jesus introduces the picture of a wolf. A thief implies deception and trickery. A robber implies violence and destruction. A wolf implies a cunning spirit intent on death. Whereas the enemies of the sheep are intent on taking away life, Jesus tells us in verse 10 that he has come to give life and life in abundance. That is not a promise of health and prosperity 24-7, 365. It is, though, a promise that in Christ and in him, true life is found. Eternal life is found. It does mean that the Lord Jesus is leading us, not driving us toward life. He's never going to lead us toward eternal death. Rather, he's going to lead us toward a a life that is sheltered from eternal harm and comfort and presence in the midst of earthly hardship or suffering and living hope because of his resurrection. The sheep pen behind those walls and with Jesus at the gate is a place of security. Consider even at night, when darkness comes, the sheep in that pen are at rest. Why? Not because they're able to defend themselves. Not because they're strong in and of themselves, but rather because of who lays and stands at the door. Jesus Christ. He's not running away in trouble, but he's laid down. He's laying down his life for the sake of the sheep. The hired hands, though, the ones just in it for themselves, are running away in trouble. They're fleeing the scene, leaving the gate wide open, the sheep vulnerable. Jesus has in view here the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day who were self-absorbed and focused on a works-based religion rather than the gospel of God's grace. And false teachers continue to this day, and they follow in the same mission of our spiritual enemy, whose mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. How do you recognize false teaching? 
here's one sure sign that hasn't changed since Jesus is speaking these words in John 10. False teachers are notoriously oriented toward self, not the Savior Jesus. They are prone to exalt me, myself, and I. They're not going to exalt Jesus. It's simply going to be lip service. They don't submit to godly authority. They often operate in a silo mentality apart from plurality. They are intent on feeding themselves through such means as wealth, power, pride, and they're not intent on feeding the sheep or living for the good of the sheep. They don't ultimately care for the good of the sheep, and as a result, the sheep are injured, hurt, abused, and led astray. And such leadership is the path of the Pharisee, not Jesus and the apostles. One of my prayers as a pastor in a local church is that for this church, that by the grace of God, I can't control, I'm not called to shepherd every local church, praise God, across this globe. Myself and elders have been entrusted to, sh to shepherd, be under shepherds of the chief shepherd for this flock. So by the grace of God, that, that leadership here would be marked by Christ-like servant leadership that would be reflective of the qualifications given in the New Testament that would be reflective of the person work of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd does not lie down across the opening of the sheep to, frighten, to, to simply frighten away dangerous predators, but when necessary, he lays down his life for the sake of the sheep. And the Lord Jesus has done it, right, brothers and sisters? It's not just lip service. He followed through. He set his face toward Jerusalem. He's done just that so that we could find and receive eternal life. It should have been us in that doorway being devoured by our spiritual enemy or by our own flesh or wandering temptation. But Jesus laid down in our place. He was raised up upon that cross in our place. He substituted himself. Whereas false messiahs and teachers run away, Jesus ran toward trouble. I hope you see that, how good the gospel is. He saw us in our need and made the way possible. Author and scholar D.A. Carson says this, The shepherd does not die for his sheep to serve as an example, throwing himself off a cliff in a grotesque and futile display while bellowing, See how much I love you! No, the assumption is that the sheep are in mortal danger, that in their defense, the shepherd loses his life. And by his death, they are saved. That and that alone is what makes him a good shepherd, Carson writes. In Christ, we find our shelter, our protection. Verses eight, or 14 through 18. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from the Father. Sheep are in need of a good shepherd to rescue them. Jesus is that good shepherd, and as a result, he is our salvation. 
When we are rescued in Christ, we are brought into an intimate, near, personal relationship with the Lord. Notice that in verses 14 and 15, the good shepherd knows his sheep the same way the father knows the son. Not only that, but the sheep know the shepherd in the same way the son knows the father. Our triune God exists in relationship with himself, father, son, and spirit. In the same way, we are brought near in relationship to enjoy him to be near Him, to hear from Him. And we see it in that section that the Good Shepherd is on mission. Verse 16 again, But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. The gospel is not just for Jew, but for Gentile. And the Lord is forming one flock that extends throughout all history and all the earth, rescuing lost sheep from every tribe, language, people, and nation. He has all authority in heaven and chose to willingly die a criminal's death upon a cross, paying the full price for our sin, was buried in a tomb, assumed to be dead, assumed the mission is over, but then on the third day rises again because he has all authority over death and sin, over the devil who is the thief. And the good news of Jesus is that through faithful missionaries and the power of the Holy Spirit, the good news has come to my life and the good news has come to your life. And many of us have responded to the gospel through faith and repentance. We've been rescued, saved, brought into the fold, and in Him, we've been found. Amen? We've we've found new creation life. Verses 19 through 21, then again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has, a, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who's demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? See, the more the Lord described himself in this teaching, the more it led to a response. Some got angry. Some wrote him off as demon-possessed. How will you respond? How will you respond? What will you do with the knowledge that Jesus is the good shepherd who leads, protects, and rescues? Will you follow him? Will you trust in him? Jesus said very plainly that more sheep are to be found. I believe some of you are there right, right now. You're looking at the, in a sense, the line of faith. And you've got questions and you've got uncertainties and you're still maybe thinking, well, I can, I can lead myself. I can protect myself. I can rescue myself. I'm a strong sheep. Friends, the good shepherd stands at the, at the gate, the door, and is calling you home. Calling you home. Lift your eyes to see him. Respond to his voice. Stop ignoring him like he's a stranger. He's your savior. He's not a stranger. In Luke 15, we learn that Jesus has gone after the lost sheep. And when a lost sheep is found, it leads to rejoicing, not only here on earth, but in heaven. I want you to be reminded that the Lord Jesus meets us in our repentance, not with a scowl, but with great gladness and joy and warmth. Because it's the gospel of God's grace, not a gospel of works and law. I've been found. 
Many of you have been found. Some of you are being pursued by the Good Shepherd to come home today. He's too good for you to ignore that call. He's too good for you to think that you're going to go wander off in your own strength. I pray that you would turn, that you would trust, that you would follow, that you would hear the Good Shepherd's voice and respond today. The door into eternal and abundant life is through Jesus. Not around Him, not over Him, not through some other gate, not through some other means. He's made a way possible. He is the way, the truth, the life. And it's by grace alone and through faith alone, not by our efforts to go climb the wall or tear apart the wall, but simply to trust in the gatekeeper who willingly laid down his life and then took it back up again because all authority is his and all goodness is found in the good shepherd. He's calling you home, loved ones. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd, for leading us and leading us to secure places and pastures where we find life, rest, hope, and joy, for protecting us and being our shelter from our spiritual enemy. Lead us away from temptation, Lord, and reveal to us how abundant life is in you. Thank you for rescuing us, Jesus from eternal judgment, from our own sinful flesh. You are our salvation, our hope, our refuge, our home. Indeed, we have a beautiful inheritance in you. Counsel us, Lord. Guide us. Thank you that you are at our right hand and we will not be shaken. Our hearts are glad and rejoice. Our bodies rest securely in you. You reveal the path of life to us. Enable us to follow you in all that we have, with all that we are. And form us more and more into your image and likeness as we follow you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Psalm 100 says, Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. And his faithful love endures forever, his faithfulness through all generations. Maybe a psalm for us to meditate on this week as we go as worshipers.